So, um, if you follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram, then maybe you saw a few weeks ago I posted about having an idea to do a series of episodes where I rank every Bring Me the Horizon song ever made. The reason why I decided to go ahead with planning those episodes was because I wanted to celebrate a milestone achieved by the band when they reached 9 million listeners on Spotify. So, like I said, that was a few weeks ago. I checked Bring Me the Horizon's Spotify page yesterday, and they're not at 9 million anymore. That number decreased to around 8.7 million, which is still a lot of fucking people, don't get me wrong. Way more than almost every band in this music scene. But all-time low are at 8.5 million, and I started thinking about the very real possibility that they're going to surpass Bring Me the Horizon. And I love all-time low, but fuck, man, that's Bring Me the Horizon. So my point in all of this is that the reason I wanted to do the Bring Me the Horizon episodes in the first place doesn't even exist anymore. But I do still intend on going through with those episodes. I, I don't know when it'll happen, but hopefully soon. For all I know, Post-Human Part 2 will be out by then, and the whole concept becomes fucked, but, you know, whatever. It, it be what it be. Anyway, hi, I'm Artisan. Or Carlos, or whatever you know me as. If it sounds like I'm wired, it's because I am. Uh, I am hella caffeinated right now. And this is Ulterior, but make it a podcast. I, I realized recently that I don't actually ever welcome listeners to these episodes. So maybe that's something I should probably do. Because I don't know who's listening to this for the first time and doesn't have any real clue who I am. What I do on this show is review singles, albums, and EPs that came out the prior week in the alternative music scene, or, or sometimes from other scenes. On social media, I give all of these songs ratings of I liked them, I didn't mind them, or I didn't like them. And then albums get a number score out of 10, while EPs get scores out of 5. A lot of work goes into producing those posts every single Friday and Saturday, and I kind of feel bad for spamming people's timelines. Actually, not kinda. I, I feel really bad for it, but it's the only thing I can do since I decided I don't want to have a website. But, nevertheless, if you're listening to this and you don't follow me on social media, I would kindly ask if you could at least consider it, because like I said, a lot of work goes into what I do on those accounts, and it's very time-consuming, and I would like for that work to reach a bigger audience. Okay, now that I've said all of that, I'm gonna get started on reviewing the singles from last week. All 35 of them. Against the Current dropped an acoustic rendition of their single, Weapon, which was released back in March. There's not a lot to say here because it's a reimagining, but I just wanted to mention it on this show because I thought Weapon was one of the best songs of the year so far, and I think Against the Current are one of the coolest bands out there right now. Whether you listen to the original version of Weapon or this acoustic one, I, I think both are equally captivating, and I just cannot wait to hear more from this band because I truly don't believe they've ever let me down. A while back, Chrissy Costanza, the vocalist for Against the Current, said on her Twitch channel that the band was considering having several EPs out rather than an album. So similar to what Bring Me the Horizon, Of Mice and Men, and Too Close to Touch have been doing, but no matter what format they go with, I, I have no doubt that they're going to fucking kill it. American Teeth have two new singles out, Fix You and E-Girl. I really liked Fix You. In certain areas of that song, it reminded me of, like, a, a pop rock song from the early 2000s, or at least something within that realm. Very cool and calm verses that built to enormous choruses with a lot of energy. Super catchy as well, and I was a fan of Fix You, but E-Girl was, in my opinion, a miss in every sense of the term. It's considerably short, just under two minutes, but by the 30 second mark, I was ready for the song to be over. Lyrically, it just came across as 
incredibly cringeworthy, and that translated to the execution of the track. Like, I have no interest in a song that's opening line is, I just met an e-girl, I wonder if she'll make me come or cry. The production on this sounds like something from a band's early demos, and maybe that was the intention, but I just couldn't connect with a single aspect of the song, and I very much so disliked it. Attack Attack released Kawaii Cowboys, which was a lot to take in when I first heard it. What I want to start off with is the artwork, because I think it's actually kind of dope, and it in some way fits with the the type of art direction I would have envisioned from this band during their peak around like the late 2000s and early 2010s. The, the song is only 42 seconds long. It, it's not meant to be taken seriously, and I had to understand that. The first time I heard Kawaii Cowboys, I, I really didn't get it. I thought it was a waste of time and further expressed how little I've thought of this Attack Attack comeback. But after a few more listens, I just couldn't ignore the fact that I was nodding my head to the rhythm each time the drop happened. It's a fun song, ultimately, and I really have no issue with it. And later on in this week, there will be an actual Attack Attack song, so, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Free is the new single from Aaron Jones, which is off of his new album, Child of the State, that drops on May 21st. I reviewed his other single, Spinning Circles, a few weeks ago and said that I was still trying to understand exactly what he's going for on this record. With Free, I, I feel like I have that understanding a little bit more. I definitely fuck with this song more than any of the prior singles from him. The chorus is really catchy and incorporates what sounds to me like an organ, a and that element really does help in making this a huge track. There's not really anything innovative or groundbreaking happening here, but even like the simple concepts that free houses sound like they're being pulled off with the prowess of someone who knows exactly how to execute this type of sound. Beartooth dropped the third single from their album Below, and it's called Hell of It, and I really don't have any bad things to say about it. I think Beartooth get unjust treatment from many people in the scene who just see them as a punching bag. I will say that the band probably did bring some of that onto themselves, but I've always believed that they're really trying. It's just that their sound doesn't always connect with me. With Hell of It, though, they're continuing a trend of rather enjoyable singles heading into Below on June 25th. This song is quite heavy for Beartooth, although it still plays some of its ideas relatively safe. To an extent, I would say that Hell of It reminds me of Low by Wage War, but with less of the Doomsday influence. And I'm not saying that I expect Beartooth to deliver the best album of their careers on June 25th, but three singles in, I have no real reason to be down about this record. Next, we have He Said, She Said by Churches. I know substantially less about Churches than I probably should, especially considering how cool I think the single is. This is pop music at its best, and in certain areas of this song, such as the chorus, I think the electronic elements really shine in helping give He Said, She Said this big, atmospheric vibe to it. The pulsating bass does a lot in ensuring that this song gets stuck in someone's head, and I'm suddenly anticipating whatever comes next because this is the lead single to Church's fourth album that has no further details available at this moment. Cleopatra have a new song out called Family Van. This is from the album Bummer that has a June 4th release date. I hadn't heard a song from Cleopatra in a rather long time, and for whatever reason, I remember them being like, like an indie rock band. I'm probably getting them mixed up with some other band because Family Van sounded nothing like what I thought it would. Alternative rock with some slight flares of punk and grunge would be the most apropos way to describe this song. The instrumentation is very simple and straightforward, but there's a bit of raspiness in the vocal delivery that really helps in establishing this song's raw feel to it. There's probably even some classic rock thrown into this track, so really, Family Van is this amalgamation of shit that shouldn't necessarily coexist, but 
Cleopatric found a way to make this song really stick with the listener, and I can't help but admire that. Colony House released their new single, Oh Yeah, and this was one of the few songs from last week that I wasn't entirely sold on. I, I, I think it's the vocal delivery that was throwing me off because I don't think it fits with the instrumentation most of the time. And, and that's a shame because otherwise I did like this song. But the elements that were needed to truly make it memorable were either non-existent or missed the mark. Like, the comparison that I made in my head, and it probably makes no sense, was if Ghostmane made indie rock music. Although, in the band's defense, this was my first time listening to them, and they've been around for more than a couple of years. So maybe this is just their style, and I need to dive further into their discography to understand that. So, you know, perhaps there will come a point where this song does grow on me, but for now, I'm not really a fan. Dal Av released Charnel House, which is the band's second standalone single after already releasing an album back at the start of January. That album, which was called Suicide Forest, was only just alright in my mind, whereas I would say that I'm fully invested in this new single. Dalav is a solo project of Reflections member Logan Young, and I would say that I can definitely hear Reflections in this song, but above that, I would also cite Darko as an influence on it, especially with small details like the weird guitar notes that sound like screeches or glitches. This song is heavy while still being catchy at certain points, and I, I think this is a huge step forward for Dalav after releasing an album that didn't click with me the way I would have liked for it to. Eve 6 dropped Can We Combine, which is the second single from the EP Grim Value that is coming out on June 25th. Uh, their last single, Black Nova, I thought was fine. Nothing that I latched onto, but I wasn't pushed away from it either. Uh, this song though, I, 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 I don't get it. I listened to it a few times just to see if it would grow on me at any point, and truthfully, the more I listened to it, the more disconnected I felt from it. It's not like Eve 6 is going to become a favorite band of mine at this stage, but I really would like for this EP to resonate with me. And I, I want to like everything I talk about on this show, but that's just not going to happen, and I think Can We Combine was just boring and it didn't do anything to get me excited for the EP in two months. Goldthread released what looks to be their first single ever in the form of Legacy, but you honestly couldn't have convinced me that this is their first single because this band sounds so fucking polished already. An incredible dark pop sort of sound that really gives itself time to flesh out in the pacing of the verses compared to the chorus. The only thing I could maybe point out as, like, not even a flaw, but just an observation is that the vocals maintain a certain pitch when I think the chorus could have really used the extra energy in that regard. But again, it's not a complaint. This song reminded me a bit of the Soft Cult EP I reviewed last week, but it still stands out on its own as an amazing track that really makes me excited for the future of Gold Thread. Hot Mulligan have a new song, Pop Shove It Hall of Meat Duh. This is their first song since last year's album, You'll Be Fine, which was released right at the beginning of the pandemic, if I remember correctly. Um, th that album didn't do a lot to stick with me, so I, I do admittedly have some trouble remembering what it sounded like, but I'm confident in saying that I like Pop Shove It way more than I did anything off of that album. I, I guess Pop Punk is the most straightforward way to describe this song's sound, but even then, it feels much more layered than just that. It's very emphatic in its delivery, both in terms of the vocal delivery and the instrumentals. It, it sounds upbeat yet sluggish at the same time, and I think this direction is exactly what Hot Bulligan needed. Imminence are back with a new single called Temptation. This is coming two years after their album Turn the Light On, which I viewed as a turning point for this band. Up until that album released, I saw them as a solid metalcore act that didn't do a lot to separate themselves from their contemporaries, but then Turn the Light On really put them on a pedestal, and I think 
all of that carries over to Temptation. This is a fucking excellent song that sounds huge and symphonic at several points throughout its runtime. Near the outro, right as those symphonic elements really take center stage, I thought that was how the song was going to close out. And then the band came back in for one final breakdown that I viewed as masterful in how well it tied the entire song together. Temptation is so fucking good, and I'm more than eager to hear more from Eminence this year, and they've got me right where any band should want its listeners. Jutes has a new song out, because why the fuck wouldn't Jutes have a new song out? We do this bit every week, and I'm no longer shocked by how consistent he is on not only releasing new material, but also on the quality of these songs. The song is called California, and it's super vibrant. There's still the, like, the pop flair that was present on his prior singles, but it feels so in sync with the artwork for this song that exudes summer in every way possible. The chorus on this track is exceptionally catchy, and that's with Jute's other choruses firmly in mind. Maybe this is the best of the singles he's released so far this year, or that could just be recency bias speaking. But either way, I stand by what I said previously in that Jutes is one of the most accomplished artists of 2021 so far. Kay Flay has a new single called Four Letter Words. Uh, much like Church's earlier, Kay Flay is someone who I don't know a ton about, yet I feel like I should. Four Letter Words is incredible. This song is layered with some of the coolest elements you could take from both pop and electronic. The build-up to the chorus achieved everything it intended to, and once the drop hits, the song ascends to another dimension that really made it one of the standouts of the singles I'm talking about on this episode. And that build-up is capped off perfectly with the line, Fuck you, you didn't deserve me. And this song is on the EP Voices, which drops on June 11th. Kaonashi released the song An Evening of Moving Pictures with Scooter Corkle. And this is the lead single to the album, Dear Lemon House, You Ruined Me, Senior Year, which is far and away my favorite name for an album so far this year. That record is out on May 21st. Man, man I just fucking love everything about this band's presentation. The cool song and album titles, the band name that's taken from Spirited Away, and to make matters better, this single is actually really fucking good. It falls into that sector of post-hardcore and metalcore that is just all over the place and chaotic with its structure and vocal delivery. Like, I don't know if anyone's ever like, or I don't know if anybody would know what I'm talking about, but there are some memes of Toad singing, like as in Toad from Mario, and in the nicest way possible, that's what the screams remind me of. And again, in the nicest way possible, because I really, really fuck with that. I enjoyed this song so much and if there's more of this on the upcoming album uh, that could be a really special release america's sweetheart is the third single from lil huddy who only just began releasing music this year after blowing up on tiktok and being viewed as one of the faces of the e-boy movement if you want to call it that when i reviewed this song last friday i gave it a rating of i didn't mind it which is the midpoint between liked and disliked. To be honest, I kind of think that I would change that rating because I actually do like this song now. It has grown on me, although I, I do like it less than Lil Huddy's other two singles, 21st Century Vampire and The Eulogy of You and Me. It's primarily acoustic outside of a few instrumental elements toward the end, and I think Lil Huddy's voice works quite well in that type of setting. And there was a music video attached to this single, and it features Charlie D'Amelio, but I haven't seen it yet. I, I just know that this song is more favorable with me now than it was when I reviewed it initially. Monument of a Memory released their new single, Seeking Somewhere. I also gave this a rating of I Didn't Mind It, and unlike the Lil Huddy song, I haven't come around on it yet. I, I think it's fine, truthfully. I, like, I don't dislike it, but it's a style of metalcore that I've 
definitely heard before from other bands, and this song isn't strong enough for me to classify it as something that stands above all of those bands. The vocals sound great, as do the instrumentals, but the material here just didn't do anything for me. But I will continue to follow Monument of a Memory because I think all of the elements are there for them to someday put out something really sick. It, it just wasn't this song, though. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this band's name correctly, but let's talk about Never Tell and their new single, Know My Loneliness. Bro, this, this band is unbelievably good. I only just found them back in February off of the song Back On Me. But I was blown away by just that one song, and then all I need was the next single, and I felt as strongly about that track. Now with Know My Loneliness, Never Tell continued to establish themselves as possibly my favorite band in the scene at the moment, who incorporate elements of R&B into their brand of alternative music. And that's factoring in bands like Paris and Varsity, who also had that influence on their most recent releases. The album, Everything in My Mind, is out on May 21st, which is looking like one of the biggest release dates of the year, and off the strength of the singles, I truly believe there's a chance Never Tell can outshine everyone else on that day. Not even two months after releasing a new EP, Of Mice and Men are already moving ahead with their next EP, and they dropped the lead single called Bloom, and holy fucking shit. This song is just as good as the three amazing songs that were on the Timeless EP. I've sung the praises for Of Mice and Men so many times on this podcast already, but I apparently need to keep doing so because they are having as unreal of a comeback year as any band I've ever seen. And when I say comeback year, I only mean that with regard to my personal opinion of them because they've been active over the years. But prior to 2021, I wasn't as high on them as I once was. But now, I look at Of Mice and Men, and I once again see one of the most talented and important bands in all of alternative music. Bloom has this really weird and out-of-the-ordinary chorus from Of Mice and Men that actually layers clean and screaming vocals from Aaron Pauly alongside each other. And it was probably very easy for that tactic to fail and come across as overproduced. But all it does here is further cement this song as one of the best of the year so far. Of Mice and Men's new EP shares the name of the song Bloom and is out on May 28th. Our Last Night have a new song out called Winter, and I had to make sure that it wasn't a cover when I was adding it to the lineup for this week's episode. Our Last Night, man, I, I really fucking loved this band at one point, and... I, I hate to just reiterate what it seems like just about everyone else has already said, but the cover stuff just isn't it. It's never been it, and while I do like a handful of Our Last Night's covers, the vast majority of them should have just stayed in the drafts. And my mindset on that is only reaffirmed when I hear an original song like Winter, and I can't help but appreciate just how good I think it is. I really, really like this song. The chorus here is massive and catchy, the bridge has the perfect balance between clean and screaming vocals, everything about the song really clicked with me, and I wish there were more moments like this with Our Last Night, rather than the moments where I feel like muting their name on Twitter. Patient 67 released a newly mixed version of the Ken's Burn Effect, this is technically not a new song since it was on the band's debut EP Imbalance back in 2015, but like I said, this is an updated version with new mixing, and I think that new mixing really breathed new life into this song that I didn't even know was there previously. Like, the original song sounded just fine to me, but hearing this new version in 2021, I'm even more enthralled by the Ken's Burn Effect than I was initially. Probably not too much to say since this is a re-release, but it's an incredible one at that, and I couldn't stop listening to it for a good minute over the weekend. Pronoun announced a new EP called OMG I Made It, which is out on June 11th, and she simultaneously dropped the lead single I Wanna Die But I Can't Cause I Gotta Keep Living. Uh, Pronoun said that this song is about 
and I'm paraphrasing, the uncomfortable feeling of not wanting to live, but knowing that you need to, and also the comfort in knowing that there are others who feel the same. I think that sentiment is actually translated into the song's sound, since it does feel upbeat in terms of the instrumentals, but Pronoun's delivery has a worn down sense to it, and she utilizes different tones in her voice to speak the lines, I want to die but I can't, and then, because I gotta keep living. I thought this was an effective track that did a lot in making me want to hear the complete project on June 11th. Starlord dropped a new single called Morbid, and I, I think it's going unnoticed just how active he's been this year. He had an album back in February, and then a new song with Trippy Red and Travis Barker, and now Morbid is his second single following Doing Me a few weeks ago. Scarlord keeps himself busy, and while I am a fan of his, I do admit that I think some of his songs feel very formulaic at times and don't do a lot to distinguish themselves from each other. That being said, I would say that Morbid falls into the upper echelon of Scarlord's songs. The backing beat sounds menacing and complements his delivery very well. Scarlord is genuinely one of the best screamers in music today, and I've been of that belief for years now. He never misses in that regard, and again, I think Morbid is one of his better tracks. Or at least of the material that he's put out so far this year. Alright, y'all have no idea how happy it makes me to finally be able to say this band's name on this show. The Devil Wears Prada released a new single called Termination, and it's the lead single to the Zombies 2 EP out on May 21st. When Zombies 2 was first teased at the start of the month, I truly thought it was an April Fool's joke. Just the idea of Zombies 2 sounded so far-fetched and wild and not anything I could have imagined actually happening. This is like when you hear something about, like, Grand Theft Auto 6 and you know it means nothing until you see actual gameplay or a trailer. That same mindset applied to Zombies 2. The, the original Zombies EP came out in 2010 and is held in such high regard by so many Devil Wars Prada fans. And, and now I'm starting to venture outside of this song, so I'll circle back to this topic when I review the EP in a few weeks. Termination is such a sick fucking song. It feels like the culmination of what the Devil Wars Prada had going for them on albums like Dead Throne, 818, and Transit Blues, while integrating just some of what they utilized on the act back in 2019. I, I couldn't get enough of Termination, and I fully expect that to be the case with the rest of Zombies 2 on May 21st. The Hunter released a new song called Bad Place, which will be on the deluxe edition of their album from last October, I'd Rather Die Than Let You Win. This song carries with it an important message since it's meant to... The, the release of it was meant to coincide with Mental Health Awareness Month, which is in May. The Hunter also made a TikTok account to share stories about mental health during the pandemic, and this song opens a dialogue about mental health, and to me, and probably a lot of other people, that's more important than whether or not a consumer enjoys this song. I, I do think, though, that it's a very good song. I, I thought Bad Place was really heartfelt and catchy. And it does stand out as one of the better songs I've heard from the Hunter over the last few months. Chemicals is the newest single from Tropic Gold, and was also my introduction to this band. I want to say that I understood what Chemicals was going for, but just personally, I wasn't too thrilled with the sound. I thought the verses were cool, almost reminiscent of Normandy in a way, but then the chorus kind of undid that work in my opinion. The, the vocal effects really did nothing for me, and I just felt that if you took that away and just had the vocals laid over the track in a regular manner, th then I might have liked this song. I'm not going to write off Tropic Gold, and I do intend on reviewing whatever they do next, but for a first impression, I thought Chemicals left a lot to be desired. Unity Texas and Erica Kent from This Is Your God collaborated on a cover of Cry Baby by Megan Thee Stallion. I was supposed to see Unity Texas live last year with the Amity Affliction and Sleeping With Sirens, but like every other show, the pandemic bodied it. But anyway, this cover was a lot of fun, 
it sounds exactly like what you would think a Unity Texas version of this song would. And Erica Kent's verse really helped keep the momentum going. Because while I did like this song, I will say that it would have been easy for it to lean more into the realm of cringe than enjoyable. But what Unity Texas and Erica managed to do with this track was stellar and I was a big fan of it. Vatican dropped two new singles after signing with UNFD or Unified. I'm, I'm still not sure how you're supposed to say that name. I'll, I'll learn one day though. Not today, but one day. With these two songs though, I think UNFD have to be more than happy with their signing because Vatican completely killed it with Fractured God and Absolute Reality. Both are unrelentingly heavy and need to be on any hardcore fan's rotation. I, I think I prefer Fractured God just because of its shorter runtime, which I think complements the hardcore genre. But Absolute Reality is also an insane track. Really, just two amazing singles from this band, and now that they're on UNFD slash Unified, they have the vehicle behind them to truly help establish them as a top-tier act in hardcore. Wargasm released their new single called Your Patron Saints. There's a lot of hype behind this band, even though they don't have an album to their name yet. I, I, I don't believe they even have an EP. They're just a band full of singles so far, and a lot of those singles are exceptionally good. Your Patron Saint falls into that same category. I, I really enjoyed this song, and while I do like Wargasm, I'm starting to reach the point where I think I need something more than just some singles. An album would be beneficial to them, and don't say that they're waiting for concerts to come back because they played a show last year when they really shouldn't have. For as good as Wargasm have been, I, I just feel like something bigger needs to be on the way soon. Wither Away dropped the song Cherish Your Friends, which is, I believe, the third single for their album, I Won't Find Hope In You, out on May 28th. The last single of theirs, the album's title track that featured Ricky Armelino from Ice Nine Kills and Hawk, was fucking incredible, and probably has a real claim to being one of my favorite songs of the year so far. And even if I am higher on that particular song than I am Cherish Your Friends, this is still an amazing single that I think only adds to the excitement I have for this album. The chorus is fucking massive and just resonates with me in a way that has become increasingly difficult for metalcore songs to do in this day and age. I'm not calling anything because we're just a few singles into an album that could end up being disappointing for all I know. But as things stand right now, Wither Away are doing everything right, and this could end up being a real game-changing record as far as the metalcore genre in 2021 goes. Wolf Alice put out Smile, which is the second single from their album on June 11th called Blue Weekend. Hypnotic was the first word that came to mind while I was listening to this song. It sounds very 90s in its delivery for both the vocals and instrumentals. And Ellie Rossell is hard to hear in the verses, which forced me to listen more closely and carefully than I did any other song last week. It was in the second chorus that I felt the song really hit its stride and elevated itself to an elite level. The final minute of the song was as controlled of a chaos as I could imagine in a cohesive track, and it succeeded in ending the song on such a positive note. Very, very cool song, and I look forward to hearing the rest of Blue Weekend in a couple of weeks. The final single for this episode comes from Rismeet Razor, and it's called Anemic, The Same Six Words. This is off of the band's second album, Replica of a Strange Love, dropping on June 11th. Rismeet Razor are part of that post-hardcore and screamo, if you want to call it that, revival along with bands like See You Space Cowboy and If I Die First, and they're doing a fucking astounding job of helping that realm, because Anemic was one of my favorite songs from last week. I, I like the last single they dropped, Last Tango in Paris, but this is just on another fucking level. Far and away the best thing I've ever heard from Wristmeat Razor, and 
I have no doubt that Replica of a Strange Love will completely own the post-hardcore genre come June. Alright, that's every single for the day. Now, I've got seven EPs and four albums. Last week, there were more albums and EPs, so it made sense to start with the EPs and then go into albums. But despite there being more EPs this week, I'm still going to start off with those. I'll begin with my least favorite EP and gradually progress to my most favorite. But even then, my least favorite still got a score of four weird voodoo doll B-things out of five. So when I say least favorite, it's not shade in any way. Chapel released their new EP, Room Service, which is their second EP that follows Sunday Brunch from 2017. Let me say this real quick. There's a song on Sunday Brunch called Fool's Gold that legitimately might be one of the greatest songs I've ever heard. So, in my mind, I thought that if I get a song on Room Service that was at least of equal quality to Fool's Gold, then this would be a success. And that's exactly what happened with First Love, which is the EP's closing track. What fucks me up about First Love, and I mean that in a variety of contexts, is that it actually came out back in February, but for whatever reason, I missed it. And, and now I'm hearing it, and I'm mad at myself because had I listened to it sooner, it would have made the list of top songs from the first quarter of the year. It's so weird and catchy and vibrant while also being a downer of a track lyrically. The second song, Mr. Days, was the only one in this EP that I didn't manage to connect with fully. It's a fine song, but I wasn't eager to go back to it. Pillow Talk is a real bop and embraces this band's pop nature to the fullest extent. Wow, which is the third song, does much of the same, yet the chorus kind of takes a slightly darker turn, or at least darker than any other section of the EP. I, I would have loved for this to have ended up as an album because just four songs of this specific sound from Chapel it wasn't enough for my selfish and greedy ass. I did allow my lack of interest in Miss the Days to hinder this EP's score, but really, this is still fucking tremendous, and First Love is gonna get so much appreciation from me for the rest of the year. Ethel Kane's new EP, Inbred, is unlike anything else I've heard this year so far. It doesn't sound like any other album or EP I've reviewed up to this point, and for that, I couldn't help but gravitate toward it. Several times during this EP, I asked myself, what the fuck am I listening to? And I don't mean that disparagingly. I was just taken aback by how unique this project sounds. It opens with Michelle Pfeiffer, which is easily my favorite song from the EP. It's slow and brooding and kind of uncomfortable at times. Ethel sounds fucking outstanding in the chorus, and then Lil Aaron comes in during the second verse as the featured artist, and even he sounds different compared to his own material. Crush has such a slight hint of pop integrated into its sound, but it still has the same core nature that the rest of Inbred does. When I saw the 8 minute and 15 second runtime on God's Country, I was like, are, are, are we really fucking doing this? Are we really putting a song that long on something like this? And throughout that song, I was expecting to lose interest and become bored, but because of just how different and convincing Ethel is, I was able to stay focused for the whole track. Which, given my fucking pathetic attention span, that's an impressive feat on her part. Unpunishable has this eerie singability to its chorus, and probably throughout the whole song, now that I really think about it, the title track, Inbred, feels so scaled back in its instrumentation, and as a result, it feels like you're hearing Ethel speak at her most open and vulnerable point. There's a set of lines in this song that go, Older brother made a name for himself with the feds, white trash dick but I love him to death, he's so good to me and nobody else, so you can fuck yourself. You get off on innocence, so you savor this. Does your baby know her daddy's a rapist? Like, it, it sounds like something I shouldn't be listening to in the sense of how personal this is to the artist, but you just can't pull yourself away from it. 
It's so fucking captivating. The last song, Two-Headed Mother, is like the peak of what am I listening to in this entire EP. It has like this synth element that almost makes the track unlistenable. Like it, It's not very sonically pleasing, but you just want to hear what Ethel has to say. And near the end, she's almost indecipherable while repeating the line, I love you, and then I don't love you. This EP is a fucking trip, and I am so enamored by it. I, I feel genuinely lucky to have been able to listen to it, and my only grievance was just the feeling I had listening to Two-Headed Mother and how that can't be replicated on another listen. I, I don't really feel inclined to go back and hear it again because, like I said, my experience with that song, it, it, it was like a one-and-done thing. But this is such a fucking masterful piece of music. This EP, I mean. And I think if you're looking for something that's challenging and not really within the boundaries of what you're comfortable listening to, you have to hear Inbred. The Dooms dropped Everything is Horrible, which looks to be their debut EP based off of what's available on Spotify. What I want to start off by saying is that there's a song on here called Caught, and I have similar feelings to this that I did on First Love by Chapel. Caught was released back in March, and I ignored it. And hearing it on this EP, I'm forced to realize the error of my ways because, holy shit, Caught is fucking amazing. That song, along with the rest of the EP, finds its home in dark pop that almost feels like a throwback to the 70s and 80s in some of the elements that comprise it. The chorus is huge and catchy as fuck. It's exactly what I would want from a project that takes on this type of sound. And I could talk for the rest of this review about Caught, but really, the rest of the EP holds its own just as respectfully. I think Never Lost works so well as the opener to get the listener accustomed to what's coming in the rest of the record. It's upbeat while still maintaining just a slight bit of aggression. Liquor and High achieves much of the same and continues the trend of the Dooms really finding themselves immediately on what is, again, their debut. Drexel, which is the third song, had its moments where I thought maybe it was going to lose me, and that's because of the slower pace that it has compared to the other songs, but really it still has the same effect and punch as everything else on this EP. It just approaches the ideas differently, and that's totally fine. Finally, you have OK as the closing song, which is the perfect way to cap off the EP. And when the song is finished, all that went through my mind was the repeating line of We'll be OK, OK someday, and how that contrasts the title of Everything is Horrible. This EP was a good reminder for why I even do this show and the ulterior platform altogether, because had I not had a duty of seeking out new releases to review, I might have never come across this. The Dooms executed everything they needed with Everything is Horrible, and Caught is very much so one of my favorite songs from any band this year so far. So let's leave the world of pop and dark pop for a second because I want to talk about Left to Suffer and their new EP called On Death. It started off very curiously and not like what I thought it would sound like. For just a few moments in the intro to the first song, Event, I was kind of hearing vibes of like Corn and Mudvayne, and then it went into a heavier section where a wall of music blasts the listener's ear, and that's when it hit me that it was really Slipknot I was trying to think of. And in that sense, I started to wonder what I would even call this EP because I was trying to think of like a term to apply to it, and I don't know if new metalcore or new deathcore even exist, but for the sake of this EP, let's just say that they do exist. The melodic sections of Event were a welcome surprise, and the rest of that song hits in such an emphatic manner. Then you go into the song Denial, which features Ryo Kinoshida from Crystal Lake, who at this point I think is making a case for being the metalcore version of Travis Barker with regard to how often he shows up for features on projects outside of his own. As always, Ryo sounds fucking incredible here and really helps make this a standout track on the EP. The third song, Anger, was the only Left to Suffer song I had heard ahead of this EP's rollout, and 
it's still as good as I remember it being, and I always appreciate a good breakdown. Bargaining features Loki Keo from Alpha Wolf, and just like Ryo, he nails his spot on this song. Depression comes in as the fifth song, and while I enjoyed all of the heavy moments on this track, it was the softer, more atmospheric sections that caught my attention. They don't last long, but their effect on the EP did. Death is the final song, and it features Tom Barber from Chelsea Grin and Darko. Again, a stellar guest feature spot, but finishing the EP, I did view the features as my favorite group of songs, and I don't know if that's meant to show that I thought more highly of these other artists who I'm familiar with, but I do mean it when I say that I really liked the time I spent listening to On Death. I, I think it's a great release, and it made sure that Left to Suffer had an impression on my week. Last year in July, Outline and Color released an EP called Imposter Syndrome. Now we have Imposter Syndrome Part 2. Same idea here as the first part of the EP. Five songs, and the runtime is right around 18 minutes. I remember back when the first single to Imposter Syndrome Part 1, Breaking the Silence, dropped last year. I thought Outline and Color finally had it figured out. Because they've been around for a minute now, but until 2020, I didn't think they were anything more than just a solidly average band. And then Breaking the Silence did a lot to really separate them from everyone else. I, I didn't really know it at the time, but I feel the same way about the first single to Imposter Syndrome Part 2, which is called Poison Prescribed as Medicine. It dropped back in November, and I heard it and thought it was good, but not as good as my favorite songs from the first part of the EP. Listening to it now, though, I think it's fucking amazing. The execution of the chorus, and more specifically, the line, What a beautiful day to be broken, is some god-tier shit. The second song, Today's Western, released back on New Year's, and, and, and it was one of the only songs I ever wrote a review for on the Ulterior website that is now dead. Rest in peace, Ulterior.com. I've grown to like that song a lot more now than I did initially, though. The third song, Goodbye to My Friends, shows a more heartfelt side to Outlining Color that was sort of there on Part 1's closer, Vertigo. I think it's a really cool, ballad-like song. The pace picks back up with Why Should You Survive, and it has a similar vibe to Poison Prescribed as Medicine in its sound, which works well, so I'm not going to complain about two songs kind of sounding the same. The final song, Don't Want to Try Anymore, is almost entirely stripped back. Like, it's not exactly acoustic, but it's heavily carried by the incredible vocals that wrap themselves around the beautiful atmosphere set by the minor instrumental elements that are present here. I thought this EP was very, very good, although I still prefer part one, and, and that's the biggest reason why I went with a 4.5 instead of a 5 for the number score. But still, Outline and Color really outdid themselves here, and I very much so look forward to the future of the project, now that I know for a fact they can deliver. Red Hook, who I didn't know about before this year, released their debut EP called Bad Decisions. I didn't realize prior to last week that I had already heard one of the songs on this record, that being the title track which I thought was a really impressive song that carried a lot of promise with it. So it was really cool for me to find out that that promise was entirely fulfilled on this EP because I think it's a perfect record. The opening song, I Don't Keep Up, set the stage for what would be an EP made up of pop rock and electronic elements that admittedly a lot of other bands do utilize but not many can do it with the prowess of Red Hook. Cure for Psychos keeps up that energy with one of the catchiest choruses on the whole EP. Kamikaze features Will King from the band Wind Waker, and those electronic elements I spoke about earlier are not represented any better than they are on this song. It feels energetic and the screams from Will add a dimension that isn't present on any other song in this fashion. Alien was perhaps my favorite song from the EP, and it really reminded me a lot of the title track to Sad Looks Pretty On Me by Rivals, which I'm not going to complain about because I think both songs 
execute their concepts to the point of perfection. Alien is so catchy, and, and while it is probably the safest play on this EP when it comes to the alternative rock side of things, I still thought it was exceptional. Bad Decisions closes on Your Heroes Are Bullshit, which further establishes Red Hook as one of the most sound bands in the pop rock realm. I, I really have nothing but good things to say about this EP. I had a great time with it, despite not fully knowing what to expect beforehand. And I think Red Hook is certainly a band that can do a lot of cool shit within the scene moving forward. The last EP I have to talk about today is Worlds Apart by Glimmers. Right away, I want to say that I think I fucked up by not acknowledging Not Good at Goodbyes as one of the best singles of the year so far. I had it in Scenic Overlook back when it was released, so I know I at least gave it some kind of praise, but whatever I gave it was not enough. The song is fucking incredible, and in a perfect world, it would easily be a massive hit on radio right now. It's catchy while also being emotional, so like, you don't know if you want to sing along to the chorus or start crying, or both. No song on this EP sounds the same as one another, yet at the same time, there still feels like a connecting thread that brings everything together. Fallen does a wonderful job of building itself up, much like Not Good or Goodbyes, but with some more power behind its chorus. Purple Tux is the quote-unquote heaviest song on this EP, and I say that knowing damn well that it's still just a pop song, but it's an impactful pop song, and it kind of even channels country music in its chorus at some points, which anyone listening to this can scoff at, but I think it worked so fucking well on this track. By the Lips is the fourth song, and I'm pretty sure I already spoke highly about this track on a previous episode, but I'll do it again because it's so powerful in its delivery that evokes so much emotion from the listeners. Technically, the closing song is Stay, which is composed with just vocals, piano, and what sounds like orchestral bass, but legit, this could be the best song on the whole fucking EP. It is so heart-wrenching while also being a musical masterpiece that I, I don't know how anyone could listen to this song and not feel vulnerable and, like, moved, I guess. It is a fucking phenomenal closer, but the technical last song is an acoustic version of Not Good at Goodbyes, which is truthfully just as good as the original rendition. I, I was so blown away by Worlds Apart. This is one of the best EPs I've heard all year so far, and I truly think it could stand up against some of my favorite albums of the year. Glimmers showed the fuck up here, and I couldn't be more happy with this project. Okay, now so that the EPs are finished, we'll go on to the four albums. Once again, this is ordered from my least to most favorite. And once again, I reach the albums and my voice is starting to go out. And I'm, I really wonder at what point does, does my body just get used to this shit. Dirty Honey released their self-titled album, which is confusing to me because they also have a self-titled EP. So that's not exactly the most proficient search engine optimization, but whatever, I don't make decisions for this band. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this album because I knew what I was getting into with this. It, it, it's not for me. I'm only reviewing the whole album because I reviewed one of the singles a few weeks ago, so I kind of felt like I had to talk about the album. It, it's blues rock and harkens back to a band like Aerosmith, who I really don't even fucking like. I think there are three songs on this album, California Dreamin', The Wire, and Gypsy, that I did actually like. I, I would say that I was able to understand those songs, but the rest of the album lost me. I, I was really just waiting for it to finish, and that's never what you want to be doing when listening to something. I'll say that I think Dirty Honey execute the sound that they're going for very well, and if you're into that kind of music, you'll probably fucking adore this, but I really just couldn't get behind it personally, and I probably did only use this album for content on this show. Factory Reset is the new album from Tillian, as in Tillian Pearson, as in the vocalist for Dance Gavin Dance. 
legitimately one of the most acclaimed and talked about bands in the alternative music scene today. I think it's cool whenever Tillian gets to do something on his own, because Dance Gavin Dance isn't necessarily the band that allows for a lot of creativity on his part. Because while he is a big part of that band, I think people associate Dance Gavin Dance more so with the crazy instrumentals and John Mess's stupid lyricism. I love Dance Gavin Dance, but John's lyrics are stupid, let's be honest there. Fun, sure, but stupid. Um, and so I've enjoyed Tillian's solo stuff for the most part. So it was easy for me to be excited for Factory Reset. Although there was a single, and it might have even been the lead single now that I think about it, called Dose that I really wasn't entirely sold on. But pressing play on this album, Holy Water is the first song you hear, and fucking hell, y'all. Holy Water is quite possibly the best opening song I've heard on an album or EP all year so far. Like, no hyperbole, it might actually be one of the best songs I've ever heard Tillian sing on, and that's with the last eight years of Dance Gavin Dance in mind. The chorus just imprinted itself onto my brain, and I have not been able to get it out of my head. Make It Count, Don't Let This Holy Water Go to Waste has been uttered by me at random points so many times over the last week. This was the number one song in Scenic Overlook, and for good fucking reason. Holy Water is insanely good. And then after getting through Dose, I really had no reason to complain about any stretch of songs for a good while. Everything here really allowed Tillian to showcase his talents and take risks that, honestly, he probably could get away with in Dance Gavin Dance, but I'd imagine he had more authority over the structures and the sounds of these songs more so than he would with Dance Gavin Dance. Like, the title track, Factory Reset, is a hip-hop song for the most part. Imagination has a reggae feel to it. Hands Around My Throat is grounded in alternative rock more than anything else. All I Crave Is Peace has some small similarities to what I would expect from Dance Gavin Dance. Small, like I said, but they're there. I, I can hear them. Along with Dose, the other song on here that I wasn't really into was Act Out. And I'm not even really sure why. I just didn't think it was as good as the other material here. Overall, I thought Factory Reset was a success. Outside of Holy Water, would I choose to listen to any of these songs over my favorite Dance Gavin Dance songs that Tillian is on? I, I, I don't know. But that's not a fair way to approach this because it's not Dance Gavin Dance. It's Tillian, and he did a remarkable job of branching outside of his horizons to craft an album that I can't really imagine most of his fans resenting. And again, one more time before I move on, holy fucking water. Parrish released Fix It All, which is their second album and their first in five years, although this was my first time listening to them, and when I looked at the track list, the first thing that caught my attention was that one of the songs, You and I, features Patrick Miranda from Movements, so immediately, that made me wonder if this band has that type of emo alternative rock sound that a band like Movements does. And as soon as you press play on the opening song, which is the title track, I would say that's not far off from what you get. Maybe throw in some hints of 90s alternative and grunge, and all those elements really worked well together in establishing a unique atmosphere that was among the best I heard all last week. Archives picks up the tempo a bit, but it retains the same level of angst, and I think on this song, that 90s influence I talked about was more pronounced and defined. Journey of the Prairie King fell into the same category, and it's by this point in the album that we reach the song Albert Suffers, which was the only song I had some trouble allowing myself to be enthralled with. I don't dislike it at all, and I would say that I'm right there on the verge of being sold on it, but it misses just a few elements that the rest of the album had that made those songs memorable. From then on, Fix It All showed that Parrish have a great understanding of when it's time to pick up the pace, and then when it's time to scale it back for a song or two. 
the song that Patrick Miranda was featured on has one of the coolest moments on the whole record with its chorus that sounds so weary and tired. And then Patrick comes in with his vocals that aren't heavy per se, but definitely aggressive. The album's closing song, Hollow, was another standout song that is probably tied with the title track for my favorite on the record. It was a really effective way to close this album, and when listening to all the songs again for review purposes, it dawned on me that this probably isn't a record I can suggest to everyone listening to this. You do need to have a certain taste for emo and alternative, and probably post-hardcore, because there are definitely elements of that on Fix It All, but if you can get into this kind of music, I think you'll really fucking like what Parrish have to offer. Finally, we have Lilith Czar's debut album called Created from Filth and Dust. For those who don't know, Lilith Czar is the new stage name for Juliet Sims, who is pretty much a veteran in the scene by this point, if I'm being honest. She was in the band Automatic Love Letter, and then was a contestant on The Voice in 2012. A couple of years ago, she and her husband, Andy Beersack from Blackville Brides, collaborated on a cover of When We Were Young by Adele for Punko's Pop 7, and I'm really favorable toward that cover. Now she's taken on the persona of Lilith Czar, and I have to say her name slowly like that because if I don't, it sounds like I'm saying Lil Czar, and while Lil Czar would be a pretty sick name for someone, that's not her name. It's Lilith Czar, and I'm going to treat her with the utmost respect because Created from Filth and Dust is a perfect album, in my opinion. I think in my mind, this feels like the culmination of everything she's worked toward, both as part of Automatic Love Letter and her solo career. The album opens with Intro Poem, which has like a, a narration of the backstory to Lilith, and it literally ends with the line, I am Lilith Czar, created from Filth and Dust, and the word dust bleeds into the song that follows, which is Feed My Chaos. And that song perfectly summarizes the sound that the album takes on moving forward. King was the first single for the record, and that was the right call in my mind, because it's another song like Feed My Chaos that establishes what you're getting on Created From Filth and Dust. There are actually two songs on this album that are credited as being by Juliet Sims and not Lilith Czar. Those songs are A Hundred Little Deaths and Bad Love, which Juliet did release as singles a while back. Yet, they still feel like they're at home on this album. They don't feel out of place in the slightest. I'm glad that Lola was released as the second single for this album, because that gave me time to learn to appreciate it, because had I heard it for the first time as part of the album listening experience, I might have been thrown off by it. There's a cover on here, Yes, a cover on a fucking studio album of Edge of Seventeen by Stevie Nicks, which is a song everyone has heard before. And if you think you haven't, you have. You just didn't know it's called Edge of Seventeen. And even though it's a cover, it also feels like it fits right in with the rest of the material. In My Head is my favorite song on this album. I, I must have listened to it a, a few dozen times by this point. It's so fucking good, and the chorus has no business being as infectious as it is. The other song I've revisited countless times since last week is the closer, Diamonds to Dust. It's the slowest song on the record, and the lack of instrumentals really allowed Lilith's amazing voice to have a spotlight shining down onto it in a way that it didn't have on any prior song on the album. I really think Lilith could be the most talented vocalist in the alternative music scene right now, male or female. She's just, god man, she sounds like she's making the exact type of music she was meant to. This album is everything to me. I feel similarly to this as I did to Better Days by Slaves, which came out last year. Any song on this album could be a single. All of them have that major arena presence to their sounds, and I just think this is a truly remarkable album that I'm not going to be able to forget about anytime soon, because Lilith fucking Czar fucking guaranteed that in her delivery of this work of art. And that's it. That's every song, an album, an EP that I have to talk about today. Yet another episode where I 
finish and complain about losing my voice and probably my mind at this point. Like, I feel funny right now. My hands are tingling. And I don't know if that's because, like I said earlier, I'm so fucking caffeinated and talking for as long as I did doesn't help anything. But, again, this is the path that I chose. So, I'm going to keep going down it. And with this episode, I finished April. I, I covered everything on a weekly basis in April. And I'm going to be honest, I'm really fucking proud of that. It, you know, if you had told me back in January and even February that I would be able to manage a weekly podcast, I would have said there's no fucking way I do. Just because I know how my brain works. I know that it's so easy for me to become discouraged and just feel like I, I'm doing everything for, for no reason. But there's something about this show and everything I do on social media that I believe in. And I, I, I'm really excited for everything that's coming in May because I, I don't know if anybody picked this up, but there were so many times on this episode that I talked about albums or EPs coming out in May. So it, it, it's going to be a huge fucking month and I really can't wait to cover all of it. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Take care of yourselves. And as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.